Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitten on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? All righty, guys, welcome to another episode of the Auto Bid. I am Aaron Robinson, joined as always by my twin brother Andrew Robinson. Today we've got a special guest. We have the North Carolina A&T Aggies head coach Willie Jones. Coach, thanks for coming on with us today. Oh man, it's great, man. It's great. It's always good to talk some hoops, man. What's going on? So well, man. And for those of you who don't know, obviously, Drew and I played at Coppin State. So we had the opportunity uh, back when, when Coach Jones was coaching the MEAC. Uh, we, we had the opportunity to play against Coach Jones' team, and we beat them. You know, they came on down to Baltimore, man, and, and uh, caught that L down there at Coppin State, man. And obviously, our, our, that was the year that the COVID uh, canceled the NCAA, canceled the, the conference tournament, man. So we didn't get a chance to, to see you guys again down there in Norfolk, but I know it would have been a lot of fun um, if, if we, we could have made that happen down there for sure. Hey, man, listen, I, I always think about it. Um, you know, Coppin State Coach Dixon, my man, the only coach in the MEAC that uh, I don't have – I didn't get a chance to beat. He's the only <laughs> one. And um, that game uh, was, a, was a barn burner. And uh, I think you guys ended up winning about two or three points uh, late there. And those two or three points, uh, actually, that one, that, that one game, you know, stopped us from – being um, regular season champions. And, um, and so it was a battle, man, um, down there in Baltimore that night. Nah, definitely was, man. I, I never forget that game, yo. Y'all might have had about four or five alley-oops that game. And Quay Parker had a couple. Hey, uh, hey, hey I'm like, yo, like, these dudes looking like the, the freaking monsters out here, yo. I'm like, yo, I've never <laughs> seen this type of high-flying performance from me at team. Y'all was definitely Lob City Clippers back then. Y'all, I'm, I'm sure y'all probably still probably do that now, but Back then, y'all had some dudes on that team that could get up on that rim. Hey, man, listen, is I told us, I told the guys, like, we, I think that game was our fourth game, and we had beaten Maryland show by like thirty. We beat Delaware State by like almost forty, and you guys came in there ready to go. And uh, I, think we were, I think we were over four at that point. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I think you guys was backs against the wall, yeah. and uh, I remember uh, you guys were warming up. 
and the clock was almost at zero. And I was like, man, where's Coach Dixon at, man? Coach, Coach Dixon didn't come out the, the, the locker room, man. The game was started already. I was like, man, is Coach coming to the game? And so, uh, but no, nah, man, that was uh, that was actually my, my first loss, man, uh, as a MEAC coach at that, that game against Cop. Man, man. Well, hey, man, definitely great to reminisce and go down memory lane. And before we get into the meat of this interview, man, I want to remind everybody watching this, Make sure you guys are giving us a, a, a like. Um, get into, get into, you're giving us a rating, five stars only, please, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Tell a friend and tell a friend about the auto bid, man. It, it truly does go a long way. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Um, also tap into our content on YouTube. Uh, we're on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, make sure you guys are streaming my guy, Pull Up Taze Music. Um, that was him on the intro. It's going to be him again at the end uh, on the outro. So make sure you guys are listening to my guy's music. But Coach Jones, man, we, we, we talked a little bit about it, man. I obviously, um, two years ago, and now I think it was, no, was 1920, so almost three seasons ago, you, you guys were in the MEAC. You guys have spent uh, a year in the Big South, and now you guys are headed um, to the CAA uh, for your first season, man. So, I mean, what has this past few years been like with, with all the movement? Obviously, these, these have been your first few years as a head coach, man. You guys have been, you know, this is going on your, your third conference now, man. So, so what has that, all that been like uh, for you? Uh, moving on up like the Jeffersons, man. We moving on up, man. Um, you know, yo guys, man. You know, I, I'm blessed um, to be uh, a head basketball coach, head D1 coach. Uh, blessed to be the head coach at, at North Carolina A&T. And during this time period of transition, um, you know, with, with different schools, whether it be PWI, HBCUs, trying to reshuffle the deck and put themselves in position to move into the next whatever, man, century, two centuries, um, try, trying to change the narrative, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad to be the head coach at A&T. And um, this challenge, man, um, of, of, of pushing our brand, uh, not just A&T's brand, but the HBCU brand um, into the new space, man. Um, I'm, it's just unbelievably excited. I love the challenge um, of doing it. Um, are really taking it on our staff and our programs taking it off head on. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've you know, I've been a head coach for three years and I've been in three different leagues uh, all three years and um, excited about the CAA. I think this will be a place that we stay for a while so we can definitely put our roots in the ground and uh, really start to build this thing. Now, coach, man, I want to ask there's a lot of people out here who you know, we'll look at it and they'll be like, man, A&T, you guys are one of the premier HBCUs, right? And like, you know, why would they leave the MEAC and go to a, a, a Big South or a CA, which is obviously these PWI conferences. Can you speak to kind of um, just the reasoning for, you know, why it makes sense for you guys to make these moves uh, for maybe somebody who doesn't really understand from the outside looking in, you know, why a school like yourself would, would, would want to leave kind of the HBCU mode and, and, and branch out like this? You know, um, you know, the thing that's not going to change, uh, we're always going to be an HBCU. Um, the culture of, of being HBCU has nothing to do with sports. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, sports is a part of it. And um, I think what, what a lot of people miss, and, and I think it's more so um, the, the older generation, they miss those traditional games, those, those, those rivalry games, um, you know, and, everybody has different reasons for doing, for doing, making decisions that they make. Um, and, you know, our chancellor who, who's obviously the head honcho 
Mexico um, in this whole decision-making process. Um, you know, one of his visions as a leader uh, was to academically put North Carolina A&T um, in the same breath as a Delaware, a Drexel, um, you know, some of these schools that have degrees that people across the world um, they talk about in terms of jobs and you know, you know what can happen for the average student with having a degree that's coupled with some of those name institutions. Now, uh, when those decisions are made, obviously athletics is a bystander. And um, you know, man, I think players, you guys were players, players want to play um, against the best competition um, night in and night out. And I think all as athletes, we want to compete in that space and um, and, I, and I think that's the I think what's hold, held back some of the better athletes, not saying that the MEAC doesn't have good players now because they do, but to attract some of the high profile kids. Um, and, and, and I always say this, guys, it's, it's a big difference between the Big South, uh, the MEAC, the CAA and the ACC. All right. I'm not trying to compete with Duke. Okay, on a day to day basis. Okay, so a lot of other players in between CAA basketball and ACC Duke basketball. And I think that I can recruit our program, our university can recruit enough good players in between uh, that stratosphere to allow us over time to be able to compete in a CAA league. And that would definitely change the narrative in terms of uh, HBCUs being at the table and having a chance to compete, um, you know, have a chance to go to the Sweet 16 or, you know, have a chance to uh, have a successful basketball season and not just be considered, hey, the MEAC champion. Right. Now, obviously, from, from a basketball standpoint, the CA is an outstanding conference. You know, there's been some, some, some NBA players that have come out of there in the past few years. Um, obviously, um, Hawkins had a few, Charleston Southern. Um, Delaware. I mean, there's been a lot of great players uh, to, to come out of that conference, man. And you know, obviously, you know, last year there were a lot of great teams. UNC, Wilmington, Towson, um, Hofstra, Delaware, all had great years last season. I mean, what are you most excited about um, from a basketball standpoint? Being able to join the CAA as well as obviously because uh, is coming in as well, uh, Mamet is coming in, and Stonyberg is all joining uh, the CAA next season. Obviously, they're also losing James Madison. But you know, what about joining that conference from a basketball perspective? Just excites you the most. You know, man, um, it, like I said, it's it's an opportunity, um, you know, everybody can win, you know. So right now, um, you know, an opportunity, you know, uh, to have a MEAC champion, a SWAC champion, uh, a CAA champion. That's three schools that could potentially, HBCUs that could potentially um, get to the NCAA tournament. Um, we've never had that before. Um, we've always had, we've had two. You know what I mean? With the MEAC and the SWAC. Um, but now, you know, you can have a MEAC champion. Excuse me, OVC. There's ten, Tennessee State. And also four. We have a chance to get four teams in the NCAA tournament uh, instead of three. So we're growing in terms of in terms of just that for 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 an example. Um, you know, we're, we're moving forward, even though everybody's not moving to the CAA as a culture. Uh, you got an HBCU competing, two HBCUs competing in that league that gives us another opportunity to get to the dance. But I'm excited about it, man. Um, it's really been reflective in our recruiting. Um, I think that um, we've really attacked it. And I think now it's just, uh, you know, getting used to the lay of the land and um, continuing to recruit at a high level and um, going out there and competing. 
Now, what has the, the, the support been like uh, from the administration for you as a coach? Because obviously, you know, you're taking steps every year. You know, the Big South is a better league than the MEAC, and that a CAA is a better league than, than the Big South. And, you know, obviously for, for a coach, obviously, you know, you, you came in your first year, you were the MEAC coach of the year, your first year, you know, and each year, you know, the challenges have kind of gotten, gotten more and more. What has the support been like from the administration uh, for you as a coach? Like, hey, coach, you know, we know that you, you know, taking these steps in, in these new leagues, but, you know, we're going to be, be, be behind you in this kind of transition period. Yeah, it's been great. It, you know, you know, uh, like I said, the chancellor is his vision, his his vision to take a and academically and athletically to this place that and be successful, not just take us there. He, he's been very clear about I just don't want to go. He wants to go and be successful. And so I'm going to be remembered as the coach at a and that really put the foundation of this thing together and execute. So I'm in, I'm in the AD's office. I'm, I'm in, in our administration's office telling them about ideas. This is what we need to do. If we want to compete at this level, we need to have this facility, this opportunity for our guys. And that's my job to make sure that they understand because I'm the coach, I'm the expert in the basketball field. And so it's my job to educate the leaders uh, of, of this thing on, hey, okay, we're, we're moving over here. This is what we need, okay? We want to continue to recruit at a high level and even take that up. Well, I need X, Y, and Z to be added to our program. And so that's really been my job, man, just really orchestrating and, and making this program have what it takes on the foundation level so we can continue to move, so we can be successful in the CAA. Now you mentioned obviously the, the the raising conference and what's that what's that done from a recruiting standpoint and being able to recruit high level players and that's something that's been reflected right away in the portal. Obviously, you guys have been able to land uh, two impact transfers, Will Felton from Arizona State, and then Austin Johnson from UC Irvine. Also, you got two JUCO guys, uh, Cam Woods and, and Love Bettis. I mean, you know, talk to me a little bit about you know just just the, the spring that you guys are putting together so far, man. How how excited you are about you know, the class you guys, you guys have coming in for next season? Hey, Drew, listen. You know, I know you got a lot of schools recruiting you, man. A lot of schools in the Northeast, you know, um, a lot of good coaches recruiting, you, you know, but the CAA, man, it's the 12th best league in the country. I mean, you know, some of these other schools are great schools, but you want to have a chance to play against some of the best competition in the country. VCU went to the final four. George Mason went to the final four. I mean, the CAA is a good league, man. I mean, if I come into your home and I'm telling you, that you have a chance to play in the 12th best league in the country and you're being recruited by the lower half of conferences in the country. All right. That's going to get you to say, you know, I'm taking coach Jones call tonight. You know, he, you know, it's an HBCU, but they play in the CAA. You know what I mean? And you take that call and the biggest advantage for a is if I get you on campus, it's going to be tough for you to say no. <laughs> it's going to be real tough for you to say no because, you know, we have a great campus. We have an unbelievable environment. And the kids and the families that's looking for the academic piece, you're going to have the academic piece because we're ranked in those stratospheres in those categories in terms of academics to back that up. And so it's like a no, it's like a no lose situation for a certain individual. You're going to be able to get the academic piece the basketball piece, and then the social piece, okay? Sometimes you can be recruited by a school and you don't get three out of the three. It could be a nice PWI, 
you know what I mean? It could have nice, shiny locker room, nice gym, nice practice facility, okay? But, but you're an individual that you want to have some social, you know what I mean? You want to have some connection with your people, you know what I mean? And so now with us going to the CAA, you get the best of all three situations. And it's really been a good deal in recruiting. You know, I worked in high-level JUCO, and I worked at Northwest Florida State, where Cam Woods is from. And uh, when I worked as an assistant, man, the lowest the lowest league we sent players to was Conference USA the majority of the time. And so I wasn't – this is the first time I've been able to recruit a kid from Northwest Florida State at any job I've been, been at, not just HBCUs, but the – at the mid-level uh, PWI, it's tough to get those kids to come because they they can go conference USA. You know, they can go to the to the Big Twelve, to the SEC. You know, those those guys are looking at high-level offers, and so um, getting Cam Woods was a big thing. And the same thing as Lev Bettis. You know, Lev Bettis at Coffeeville. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, those guys are able to get high-level conference USA, American League offers, but uh, we were able to get in there. And again, getting on campus and seeing it um, and, 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 and really enjoying it and feeling that they can be successful. Now, Coach, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go there since, since, since you kind of put it up on a platter. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I've heard a lot of stories. You know, I've seen a lot of pictures and videos. You know what I'm saying? I've never been to Antique myself. You know what I'm saying? But I've seen the pictures on Instagram. You know, I've heard about Jiho, greatest homecoming on earth for everybody that don't know. You know what I'm saying? I just want to know, man, like, how many kids have you guys got, you know, brought brought on campus during GHO? That you guys try to aid for a bring campus. I know obviously the, the springtime, that's in the fall. So obviously they didn't come on campus now, but I can't imagine coming on campus during that time in the fall and not committing. I just I feel like that's a cheat code for you guys to have that at your disposal. Because you bring a kid down there during that time, God, God bless him. God, God bless it, man. But I just want to talk to you guys about that, man, because you guys have a distinct advantage, you know, and, and, and being able to recruit at that school, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'll leave it at that for you to go ahead and... Uh, and, and <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm a, I'm a, I'm a surprise you guys. I'm going to surprise you guys. All right, I'm going to surprise you guys. We don't bring kids in. We don't bring in, uh, like, uh, 2023. We didn't bring in a kid during G-Ho, okay? All and right. why not? So... <laughs> It's a couple of reasons behind the philosophy. So what we do during GHO is I invite every young kid in our state to come on an unofficial visit um, for GHO because most kids, even though sometimes we assume, for a long time, we assume the African-American kid, and I went to HBCU, we assume that everybody knows what an HBCU is and that they've been on Coppin's campus or they've been on Morgan's campus. All right, so when you assume, you know what that, you, you know, you know what, that, what that ends up being, right? And yeah. so, so I said, if I can expose the young kids to A&T at the 10th grade, 9th grade, you know, 11th grade, so now they're unofficial A&T, they at GHO, and their recruiting process starts. And now they're recruited by some of these other schools close or our level. They're telling their parents, yo, I'm going to AT. I'm not I'm going to AT. I'm, I'm not going. I, I, I hear this other team call. I, I get it. I'm going to AT. Coach, coach wants me to come on an unofficial uh, official visit. He's really recruiting me. I'm going to AT. 
I was just at Jiho. You know what I'm saying? Jiho for a kid that's coming out, you know, from a senior, at least it's like a real special dude. You know what I'm saying? It's just so it's so hectic to get around. You can't get the restaurants, you can't get parking, you can't move around. And so I don't really sell Jiho, okay? Because if you come to AT on a normal day, you're gonna see what you need to see. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna see, like Jiho's over the top. You know, it's over the top. So if I'm talking to a kid, especially in the early signing period, and he's just talking, coach, I want to come to Jiho, man, then I'll make it happen. Okay. If, if it's not, I'll get him to North Carolina Central's football game. You know what I'm saying? I'll get him to another game that we're gonna have a great environment. It don't have to be, it don't have to be over the top over here because now you're just selling that piece of it. I want to sell everything. I want to sell the academics, I want to sell what men's basketball is doing. You know, everybody talks about Jiho. You guys, just like you said, you guys didn't get a chance to come play in Club Corbett because we only played you guys one time that year. And I but, hate that. I hate that. And, and, and listen, I hate that. <laughs> listen, Jiho's great. Jiho is great. But listen, if you come during basketball season and you come to a central game or, a, a, you know, a Saturday game, you know what I mean? You're going to be like, yo, this is crazy. This is crazy. And I tell our coaches, our assistant coaches all the time, listen, when we're in recruiting battles, okay, yeah, you need to go watch some – you need to get on Synergy and see some of these universities that we're competing against, that they got the pictures of the one time they had their gym full, but they only averaged 250 fans during the, during the regular season, and say, yo, listen, you want to play – who you want to play? You want to play in front of 250 people or if you want to play in front of 3,000 people? on a consistent basis. And that's what we can offer a kid. So yeah, Jiho is, a, is, a, is an advantage. We talk about it a lot in terms of our uh, presentation, but we don't oversell it uh, because you know you can go on the internet and read about it and talk about it. Uh, sure. and we, it's kind of our special weapon. Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let AJ ask this question, man. But I mean, I will say this, man. I'm, I'm, I think it was a gift from the good Lord, man, that AT never recruited me. Know what I'm saying? Because that would have been uh, if I would have went to AT for my four years, whoo-wee. I, I don't know if I would still be, you know, this this in the position I'm in today, man. As a as a media member, as a professional athlete, man, I don't know, man. I might have just I might I might lost my mind, man. <laughs> uh, you, you you and me both. You and me both. But coach, man, I do have one question, man. Obviously, you know, I, I think in my opinion, the thing that one of the things that makes the MEAC that made the MEAC um special was was the rivalries, right? So Cobbin and Morgan was all, always the most fun game, you know. But doing it at Fan, man, was was you know was also one of those games that everybody got up for. And AT and Central was, was was arguably one of the best ones, if, if not the best ones out of all those rivalries, man. I mean, what do you what do you say to somebody who says, man, like they're leaving the me at man those rivalry we're not gonna get to see those games, man? Like, what do you say to somebody who just is, is gonna miss? I mean, you you, you mentioned, man, like like if you go to AT home game, it's packed. Nobody has you playing. Howard or Morgan or AT or whoever, man. I mean, what do you say to somebody who might say, like, man, we're gonna lose that piece of of the of, of the camaraderie of, of the rivalry with, with AT leaving and heading to the CAA? You know, man, um, I got a two-part answer for you. Two-part answer. I'm gonna answer, I'm gonna talk about the first one. Uh, I'm gonna talk uh to what Andrew said about losing his mind. So I would I went to an HBCU. I, I went to South Carolina State, and at the time. We were the North Carolina Central. We were the AT. We were the Norfolk. Okay. We were winning a championship every other year. Okay. So 
I have a different background in terms of perspective. So Drew, I'll say this to you. Every Saturday at Clemson, every Saturday at Virginia Tech, all right, every Saturday at North Carolina, whatever high major school you mentioned, it's Jeho. It's Jeho. Ohio State has 100,000 kids on campus. All right, so if you're a football, basketball player on Ohio State's campus and you're a high-profile dude, all right, you can lose your mind every day. So I hate, I'm going to tell you, I hate in recruiting when PWI or even ourselves say that if I go to A&T, if I go to Central, if I go to Coppin, because Beyonce, Rihanna, and, and all of them are on campus, all right, and it's crazy, and, and they dress, and they looking real nice, that us as African-Americans or whoever's on the team, we can't focus enough, all right, to be successful in that space academically or athletically. That's a, that's a myth that people use, all right, against us in a nice way. Oh man, you want to go to a and Oh man, they, you know, they got girls dancing on the sidelines. Oh, they, you, it's a, it's, it's not negative recruiting. All right. But it's trying to paint the picture. Like, yo, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You want these kids, you want them to go to a, a 70,000 campus, all right. Student campus when they got people that, that's, that's stalking them. That's better. That's, that's better for them. To go to that institution and to come to AT because we got dancers on the sideline, that's a false negative. Uh, that's false. You know what I mean? That, that that needs to be on Donkey of the Day on the Breakfast Club, all right, with Charlemagne. You know what I mean? Like, like that's what that that's what I call that. You know what I mean? And then the second question to get to what you said, I don't think we lose those rivalries. You know, you know, Coach Morton and myself, we're talking about getting each other back on the schedule um next year once we can kind of figure out, you know, the last two years, we've been trying to move from a MEAC schedule, all right, and kind of make it more so look like a, a Big South schedule, you know, so MEAC schedule, we plan seven, eight guaranteed games by the time all of the teams limp in to uh, conference play, the highest wins, seven wins, somebody coming in with seven wins, somebody coming in with one win, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and and I always tell people, MEAC play, once you get into the mix of it and everybody is 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 is, is feeling good about themselves now and, 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 and injuries from the preseason, yo, what's good basketball in the MEAC that can compete with any other low to mid-major league in the country once we get into conference play, all right, and everybody's feeling good about themselves in terms of basketball. Right. And so trying to make that thing look like a big South schedule last year. And then now the CAA, they only played three guaranteed games, three. And so I had to tell our administration, listen, hey, listen, I know we've been playing six guaranteed games in the media. I know you said that I only had to play five in the big South. Hey, man, if we want to win and be successful in the CAA, I can only play three high major games. That's all. That's all. So. As we move, we got to transition and we got to start to look and do what these other leagues are doing so we can be successful and so that I'm not a MEAC team in the CAA. Because if you make me play seven guaranteed games, then my record's going to look the same 
coming into conference play in the CAA as it did in the MIAC. So that's not that, that's the detriment to what we would be able to do. You know what I mean? And so, um, but now we've been we've been transit as we've transitioned, we've started to try to make sure what we do look more like what the teams in the league that we're in are doing. Hey man, because the fans need that central anti game, man. We, we we need that for the culture, man. We need it. Uh it's 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 definitely, man. Uh it's something um, you know, definitely next year. I think we're gonna get it back, you know, um, in terms of whether it's a home and home in the same year, um, whether it's a neutral site game that ESPN can pick up. Um, but definitely, man, it's something that people it helps everybody's recruiting. Um, because that ESPN spot. That, that it's on, man, um, it was always big time. Now, I want to respond to your statement first, and then I'm going to ask my next question. But I, one thing, is I, I never thought about it like that, man. When you said, like, that can kind of be a negative thing. Because for me, I would love to go to A&T. You know what I'm saying? I hope I have a negative thing. Like, oh, I wouldn't have there. Because I would love for A&T to offer me. I would, mm -hmm. I would love that. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually never thought about that, how that could be used as, like, a negative. You know what I'm saying? I always thought that, like, so for me, in my opinion, you could ask Ace. For me, I'm like, yo, A&T is like up here for schools mm -hmm. that I would want to go to if I was a recruit because like, man, you would enjoy yourself in college. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like you said, you can enjoy yourself at Maryland or, or Clemson or, or things like that. But I should never thought, I, I, I mean, obviously it's probably different from a coach. Maybe the coaches probably throwing that out there. It's like, oh, don't, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you know, for me, I, I never I never thought about it like that, man. So I, I appreciate you for giving that kind of alternate perspective. You know what I'm saying? Um, my question is for you, you know, since Ace asked about kind of like the you and you mentioned the environments in in, in, in a lot of the OHBCU games that, that you guys played, what was the environment like when you guys were in the Big South and you're playing a Gardner Webb home game or Presbyterian? Like, what was yeah? Like, what was the environment like? Did did, did the students still come out for those games? You feel like it kind of lost some of the juice. Like, what was that like? I thought we still had a good, you know, uh, you know, we still averaged about 25, uh, 25, uh, 2,500 a game. Um, on the ride. So we, the, the Big South has uh, a lot of close schools. So High Point, we had a good crowd, three, 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 uh, 3,500, around 3,500. Um, Campbell is close. So that was a good, a good, uh, a good crowd. We still got a good crowd. Um, it depends on, and a lot of these things depend on how many home games you get during the year. And so we didn't, we only played one home game versus a, a division one team uh, before conference play at home. You know what I'm saying? And again, that's another, uh, that's another HBCU structure thing because everybody wants us to come play those guaranteed games on the road. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and then the big South was different because seeing the MEAC, when you play those home games, you always had Thursday, Saturday or right. Saturday, Monday. So you know you had two home games in a row. So you could get momentum. Or you may have that time on your schedule where you got four games in a row. See, the Big South, they didn't want you to create any momentum. So it was one home game, one game on a row. One home game, one game on a row. So it was no, it's no continuity, no continuity. You know what I'm saying? You got to wait a whole nother seven days before you play again. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, in terms of the structure of it, it was a little bit different. But in the atmosphere, what happened was all of the teams in the Big South, they they wanted to, they, they couldn't wait to come play at AT because they get to play in front of some fans. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so it turned into one of those things where they coming in playing their best game 
coming in the A&T because they, they ready to play in front of some fans. Yeah. Now, Coach, we talked about a little, little bit about this, um, about this before we got on air, but you mentioned the NIL, man, and, and it's literally changing the game of college basketball right now. I mean, it, you we're seeing it everywhere at every level, man. Teams that have been able to figure it out have been able to, to get some great recruits, man. Teams that haven't been able to figure it out um, have, have been struggling, man. I mean, how have you guys kind of begun to navigate that space at A&T, man? And, and, you know, what do you think you guys are going to be able to do you know, for, for your athletes going forward? You know, man, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, uh, as a coach, you know, uh, more recruiting guys, guys that have the potential to capitalize on, on the name, image, and likeness, then I'm all for it. You know what I'm saying? Like I tell the guys, listen, you know, you can get that name, likeness, and image, but you got to perform on this court. Ain't nobody paying you money. Ain't nobody going to pay you no money now if you ain't getting nothing done on this court. You know what I'm saying? And you put yourself out there for to get some money, you know, from a corporation or a business that they want you to represent. They don't want nobody who ain't going to uh, be eligible next semester either. Yep. So I tell them, hey, listen, there's extra pressure on you guys to continue to be good, all right? Because you sign a deal and you ain't putting in the work, you're going to lose your deal. You sign a deal and you ain't doing what you need to do in the classroom, you're going to lose your deal and you're going to be exposed. And so I tell our guys, hey, listen, it helps It it helps the, the program reinforce what we're trying to do. Make sure you're doing the right thing. Make sure you can yourself the right way, because if you get somebody that wants to invest in you, all right, you don't want to throw that away, uh, acting stupid at a party, all right, doing something stupid domestically, whatever it is, all right, you want to protect your brand because that's what you're building. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'll say this. It hasn't hit, all right, hasn't hit where we are yet, all right, to where the first question in a recruit conversation with us is coach how much I'm getting. All right. It hadn't hit us yet. And I, and I tell our I tell our administration, I tell our AD, it has not hit us yet. What we've been able to capitalize is um because of NIL and the transfer portal, right? We've been able to get a high school kid or transfer that normally we wouldn't be able to attack early in the process because they have recruiting from such high level schools. But these high level schools now are in a bidding war for some of the top transfers in the country. Some of these dudes aren't even getting calls. So they're sitting waiting by the phone, like, man, damn, are they gonna call, are they recruiting me? And so they ain't calling. So a and slooping in there and we're doing a good job relation wise and being able to capitalize. That's how we are kind of navigating that space right now. but. It's an everyday process for me and, a, and our staff to try to understand how that how this thing is working. I just listened to an interview last night with Nick Saban. And Nick Saban, just, I know what he said, all right, might, might be uh, controversial based on, you know, because he was saying something about Jackson State and, and uh, he was saying something about uh, Texas A&M. But I, that, all that's good. I'm not a coach at any one of those schools. I, I heard what he said about how, those schools are structuring, all right, for these kids to be able to capitalize, all right? And I listened to what he said. I'm like, dang, that's how they're doing it? Because nobody knows, everybody, nobody knows, like, what's going on. We just know that some guys are getting paid a lot of money. And uh, basketball, see, basketball is different from football, right? Basketball guys are personable. You can see our faces, 
All right, we're on social media. People recognize us. Our culture in terms of the sport is more out there, all right? And football, it's more so, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't really know. These guys have helmets on. Like, you know the quarterback. You may know the running back. You know, you may know somebody who, who was a defense, you know, really good on defense, but you don't really know all of the players on the football team. You know what I'm saying? And so what happens in basketball one dude goes out there and says, yo, man, I got this, I got this deal, 400000 Say, what? 400000 <laughs> So the rest of these cats, they take an official visit. They're like, yo, what's good with the 400000 You know what I'm saying? Like, it's already out there. You know what I mean? And so now the coach or the staff has to answer to that. And it really didn't happen like that until basketball season. You know what I mean? The basketball guy, you know, Basketball is just so, man, it's so dynamic, man. People don't understand it's a two-semester sport. You got to respect that. The athletes that's going through that. Guys are talented enough. Some It's been proven that there may be guys talented enough to go from high school to the league. You think about this. I'm a high school player, and I go to college. And I only got to go to school for less than 365 days and I can go from being dirt poor and living in a two-bedroom apartment with my six brothers and sisters to being a multi-millionaire in less than a year? That's crazy. That's that's crazy. Crazy. And so our sport is so dynamic in that piece that, you know, you know everybody's grinding, trying to make it, trying to, trying to make it out and get a chance to be a pro, play, live out their dreams. And you telling me, coach, the rules say I got to go to college for a year. Okay, cool. All right. But you telling me I could make a million, I could be a millionaire and change my whole generation, all right, in less than 365 days? That's crazy. And that's why we got to get the rules right. And that's why as basketball players, especially young African-American guys, we got to be able to learn financial literacy, understand how we can capitalize that and, and, and make that money last longer than some of our guys in the past that they, because they want to, they want to get us on YouTube and and and, and Yahoo and, and Gmail and say, oh man, he had he had three hundred million, he broke now, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the story they want. So we got to capitalize so those stories don't happen anymore. My coach, man, obviously, you know, um, despite the fact you're not coaching in, in the MIAC anymore, man, like you said, you went to an HBCU, you know, you're coaching the MIAC. So uh, I want to ask you this question, kind of. Um, one more broader, broader question, man. But obviously, you know, in, in, in recent years, you guys left the MIAC. Hampton left the MIAC. But then when the fam left the MIAC, I think you know, there's been rumors that Howard maybe may even be, be leaving the MIAC soon. So I think right now, the stands, the MIAC has like eight teams. And there's a lot of people who are talking about, man, like, what does the MIAC have to do to kind of sustain, man? Is the MIAC going to fold? Like, kind of where is this going, you know, forward? Because, I mean, obviously, the MIAC has, has been very important to HBCU basketball. Over the years, man, just a lot of history in, in the league and things like that. I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think the MIAC has to do to sustain? You know, if if it, we get to a, a point where the MIAC folds, like, what do you think that would mean for HBCU basketball? Um, and just, I don't know. I kind of wanted to hear, hear your thoughts on that because you know it's kind of a tough situation right now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I think that the bottom line, um, you can't be stagnant. You know what I mean? And I'm not being critical of anybody, but 
the MEAC has had success. It, it, it has had some great teams, some teams that have done great things, accomplished. I mean, you, a MEAC team is on the, the, the NCAA video when you win a championship, you know, when, when, when Hampton beat, um, you know, Hampton beat, uh, who they beat? Missouri that year. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Norfolk beat Missouri, Coppin beat South Carolina. Like, listen, those things should be always remembered and I think the MEAC as a conference should have probably been uh, a little bit more elevated from years of success, man. And I think being stagnant really has put it in a bad situation. And um, I'm just hoping that new the, the new leadership has a broad vision, man, to take the lead and offer some of these universities some different things. You guys that play in the MEAC shouldn't have had to deal with the same the same gift that I got as a player. You know what I'm saying? Like it should be, it should be better. It should be better. You know what I mean? And um, and that's not knocking the MEAC, because I always say this: people want to paint the brush and talk about the MEAC's about to fold. OVC got issues, Atlantic Sun got issues, Big South got issues. Let's stop just saying we got issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and that's what. That's what the media wants to paint. And then once the media paints it, our community, we jump on it like we're the only one that have issues. We're not the only one that got issues. A lot of these co other conferences are having major conversations because they're afraid of, of, of their conference, losing members, all right, and not being able to sustain membership. But in terms of your question for the MEAC, I think, you know, I think the only thing the SWAC did, man, was they brought in some new leadership into their office some younger people with different visions and they started messing around with things and they kind of try to gain some momentum. And, and, and I think they did when they did that, you know, they, they stole two teams from the MEAC. I, I mean, fam, you in, 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 in Bethune, man, I could, if I was the commissioner of the big, of, of, of the MEAC, man, I'm flying down to Daytona. I'm flying down to Tallahassee. It's no way you're leaving the MEAC. No, no way. way I'm letting you leave. I got to make something happen so you guys don't leave the me. I can go to the swag. You know what I'm saying? But I just think we just got to have a different perspective. Think, think outside the box and make it uh, the MEAC a, a destination, man, that um, some of these other schools can, can come to. One, one quick follow-up on that, Coach. What are your, what, what, what are your thoughts on the, the MEAC potentially adding non-HBCUs? Do you think that should be an all-HBCU conference? Like, if it comes to a point where, you know, they got to extend some invites. There was rumors that they reached out to Chicago State, for example. It's not an HBCU. Um, it is a predominantly black school, from from what I understand, but it's not an HBCU. Um, what do you what do you think about like? Do you think that would like mess with the the footprint of the league? They started adding schools that weren't HBCUs in, in, into the MEAC. We can't have it on one end and not have it on the other end, right? If North Carolina A and T was able to grow. 50 years down the line, able to grow investments, kids academically, athletically. And the ACC called and said, man, listen, we see what you guys are doing. We want to get you guys to the ACC. That's what our people want because they want to be able for us to recruit Zion. They want us to be able to recruit these high profile guys that come out of our community. What makes that what makes that reality? That if a, a, a HBCU was equipped 
and able to sustain and play in the ACC. All right. So if we would take it on that end, we got to be able to take it on the other end. And maybe some of the PWIs or these other schools, traditional schools are trying to move up. Maybe they're not at a level of an HBCU and they want to have aspirations to be D1. They maybe need to come into a MEAC or a SWAC footprint. It's not going to stop our HBCUs from being uh, HBCUs. You know what I'm saying? But it is going to, it's still going to be the MEAC. And the MEAC is still going to be considered a HBCU league. You know what I'm saying? The first, the, the, the two H, the SWAC, nothing's ever going to change the footprint of the SWAC, the MEAC, the CIAA, and the SIAC. And history books, that's what, that's what we came from. The best of the best went to those institutions long ago. We continue to, to move and, and, and be able to move to different leagues. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have an issue with that. Now, Coach, man, we, we've been after coaching, man. We, we, we need your, your, your one recruiting story, man, your funniest recruiting story, wild recruiting story, man, from when you were assistant, man, whenever if you had a, a one of your assistants on your staff that they had a funny recruiting story, man, you got to have your, your most memorable uh, recruiting experience, man. We didn't hear some crazy ones, man, so we, we, we need you to, to, to think outside the box on, on this one. Oh, my gosh, man. There's so many dudes. Let me see, man. So um, I think I got to go back. I got to go back to JUCO. So I, I know we had some wild was in JUCO. <laughs> I gotta go back. I gotta go back to JUCO. I'm, I'm recruiting. Uh, I'm recruiting um, a kid. His name is Lashante Harris. He's from New Hope, Mississippi, and um, he's 6'9", 240 pounds, country dude. Right. <laughs> and so uh, I'm talking to my boss. I'm like, man, listen, we gotta go get Rashante. So Rashante is about five and a half hours away from Florida, where I'm at. And so I'm going up to see him, you know what I mean? A couple of times a week, going to see all of his games. These cats are asking me, you know, coaches are asking me, man, you, how you getting here, man? You guys, you got a private jet? I'm like, no, nah, I don't got no private jet. I'm driving this Crown Victoria and I'm drinking this five hour energy to get here to see this kid uh, every day in game he's playing, you know what I mean? And so I'm recruiting the kid and, um, you know, so I, I'd establish a relationship with the kid. I'm talking to the kid. I start getting calls from SEC schools, Auburn, Mississippi State. Like, yo, man, how are you talking to the kid? The kid doesn't talk to anybody. Like, you know, how you get? How do you have a relationship with the dude? I'm like, man, I'm just talking to the kid. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he likes me. And so I'm recruiting the dude. And, uh, you know, he goes to the city of Palms. Dude scores like 35 points as... 12 rebounds against Greg Monroe and Edgar Vargas. Those dudes are going to Georgetown, going to LSU, going to Florida. And um, so I think I got to do it. I think I got to do it. And uh, one Sunday I get a call, man. He said, Coach, I, I just came from Memphis. I said, Memphis? How'd you get to Memphis? He's like, yeah, Coach Cal. <laughs> Coach Cal uh, told me to come on up, man, and visit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so he, he went down there and visited, man, and uh, come to find out, man, you know, he didn't have the grades. That's why I was going to come to JUCO. And um, next thing I know, man, you know, he ends up going to Chris Chaney and uh, the prep school that all those Memphis, Memphis dudes go to. And uh, so we lose out on him. You know what I'm saying? And so he's at the top. He, he goes from 
basically unknown. They ended up ended up being like the 14th ranked player in the country by the time uh, the season was over. And I'm looking. I was so disappointed. I was like, man, this is my this is my guy. This is my shot. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna be a top ten dude. A, you know what I mean? I'm on my way as a coach. And it just got taken away from me just like that, man. But you know, it, 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 I always look back at it now because uh, you know he's on. You know, he had a chance to go overseas and play, um, and it just shows you, man. Like it's all about relationships, man. All about relationships, and um, you just got to you just got to go out there and do your job, man. I know that's not funny, a funny story, but for me, that was that that was one of the better recruiting stories for me. Hey man, I know you. I know you probably aren't the first guy, man, to lose out on a kid to coach Calipari. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's no shame in that. You know what I'm saying? So man, Cal came in there, man. I'm like, come on, man, what, what's going on, man? Like the kid needs to come to JUCO. We got a plan for him. You know what I'm saying? All right, <laughs> uh, coach, man. We de- definitely want to thank you for your time, man. It's been a lot of fun, man, and uh, it's been awesome to see what you've been able to do uh, at AT, man, since becoming the head coach, man. Also, also, um, me and Drew are extremely proud of, of what you've been able to do with the program, man. Extremely excited to see what you're going to continue to do at AT this season, the CAA, man. And um, that, me and Drew are definitely going to be rooting for you guys and watching you guys this season, man. So keep elevating, man, and, and keep proving people, man, the HBCUs and, 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 and that people like us can, can do the same thing that everybody else can do, man. So keep up the good work, coach. We appreciate your time. Definitely, man. Kudos to you guys. Keep doing your thing. We all can. We all can live. We all can be successful, man. Um, and uh, we're gonna keep on doing our thing here. You said the right word, elevate, man. That's what we're trying to do. What's the topic of discussion? We talk about. Take your best shot. Take your last shot. I'm trolling the clock, boy. You beating on me? It's time to get a check, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You beating on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talk about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot, I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.